0: So here we are. Um, I love the words of that song, Earth Has No Sorrow, that Heaven Can't Heal. And that's the truth. And we're going to continue looking. We're going to go through a whole chapter. Look, chapter five. Um, we're going to do the whole chapter today. We've been doing short portions, but I really felt God uh, prompted me to do this. I, the title, if you've probably noticed, is Are You Ready to Push the boat Out? Um, And that's because we're starting off with uh, two boats in Luke chapter 5, but I really sense that God has been speaking to many of us over the past months. You know, we we started up Eagles again in September, and I really sense that from September right up until now, that God has been speaking and God has been, you know, I think doing something in all of our hearts and there comes a point where you hear the Word of God and God speaks to you, and there comes a point where you need to respond to what God says. And that's the sense that I have for this week and next week, a real sense that God's looking to see who is going to respond, who's hearing the Word of God, who's going to respond. And it's interesting because just before we came in here, um, someone handed me this lovely little book, Um and it's it's a a book called Lamp and Light and it it just gave a little thing, I opened it up and here's what it said, talking about in Israel, um, how they irrigate their ground with a drip system. It says, we've often heard that it is the simplest ideas that are the best and so it has been proved with drip irrigation. In the 1930s, one of the pioneers of drip irrigation saw a long row of trees that had obviously all been planted at the same time and yet one of these trees was far bigger than the others. So this guy was curious and he went to see what the reason was and he discovered that a water pipe had a crack in it and it was leaking near the tree slowly, drip by drip. On the surface of the ground, there was just a limited circle that was a little bit wet and the rest of the soil was dry. And when he started drinking, he—oh, I mean, sorry, not drinking, when he started digging, he saw that underground, the wet area became wider and that there were a lot of roots. He kept the idea in his head for years until affordable plastic piping was introduced. And in the 1960s, he started to do experiments in the backyard with the drip system. Today Israeli drip irrigation company Netafim has manufacturing plants all over the world. And just this thought that as you get a drip drip You know, every week and every day, as you do your own readings, the Holy Spirit is drip feeding you. He's drip, 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 and that that's enough for your roots to grow and for you to actually begin to become very, very fruitful. And that's what God wants for all our lives. He wants us to be women who are fruitful, women who are who are like Him, women that He can depend upon. So we're going to look at this uh, chapter in Luke chapter five. We finish off with the verse before in Luke chapter 4 where it says that Jesus was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So he was all over Galilee and he was preaching in the synagogues. But then in Luke chapter 5 it says, So it was, as the multitude pressed upon him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, that Jesus stood by the lake of Gennesaret. That's another term for Galilee. And he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and they were washing their nets. Then Jesus got into one of the boats which was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the land. And Jesus sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Maybe just stop it there for a moment. And we'll just look at this, um, this, first, um, th- this first part of the chapter. Did you notice that there were two boats pulled ashore and the fishermen were actually out of the boats and they were washing their nets. It's interesting that apparently not only did they wash the nets but they stretched the nets so that they wouldn't become dry and brittle. If they kept using these nets to catch fish and the nets were never washed and stretched then when they would use them the nets would get all dry and brittle and they would actually break whenever they were working and they caught a huge drop, any amount of weight of fish the net would break. So it was really important that they washed their nets and I I just was thinking of how it's really important for us as believers. I'm talking about those of us who have asked Jesus to come in and be saviour. That's the first step on this journey with Jesus. And he wants us to receive him. He died on the cross to die for our sins. He's paid the price to make us completely clean. And, and when we invite him to come in as our saviour, he comes in by his Holy Spirit. And by the way, next week, we're going to look at, the bit that I'm speaking on next week, it's going to be how to have a spirit-filled Christmas. Really feel, want to talk about the Holy Spirit next next week. And you all have an opportunity to, to share next week as well. Not all of you, but whoever, <laughs> if all of you are all, we're not to be here in the New Year. Um, but those that God promised, there'll be a few of so you able to share a little bit next week. But you see, God wants us not only to receive him and get our sins forgiven, to be washed thoroughly clean. I wonder, could we just stop a moment and think about how amazing it is to be made completely clean? But that's what Jesus does when we ask him to come in to be our saviour because he paid for every single sin that you've ever done or anything that you ever will do. You can be made clean. There's something beautiful about feeling. When you come out of the shower you feel good, don't you? Yeah. And it's the same spiritually. And you see, God wants us to have a spiritual shower every day. Yes, he washes us and forgives us for everything in the one when we invite him in. He saves us with his spirit and we are forgiven completely. But he also, there's this possibility of every day we can just come, it says if you confess your sin, if you, if you, it says if you walk in the light as he is in the light and a fellowship, you'll have fellowship one with the other. So he wants to confess our sin, we can be cleansed right away and if we walk in the light, that is confessing our sin, bringing it into the light, he says if we walk in the light we will have fellowship with each other but also the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, will cleanse us from all sin. So we can have this fresh shower every day and we can know that clean feeling every day because it's an ongoing salvation. It's a once and for all at the moment we trust him, but it's an ongoing cleansing. It's an ongoing salvation. It's wonderful. And Jesus wants us to really experience that freshness. It's interesting that the Jews use the name Jesus, they call him Yeshua, are. Yes, are. Yes, are. which means God is salvation, he is the one who saves, Jesus is the one who saves, he washes, he makes us clean, but these, these fishermen were washing their nets, and that's what God wants us to do every day, I believe it's a daily, moment by moment thing, where we don't have to carry, we don't have to carry the rubbish. You know, we say things that are rubbish. We do things that we let ourselves down, if we're honest. We just need that constant cleansing. And it's available for us. We just have to come and tell him about it. And he'll just cleanse us and wash us and give us that daily shower. And God wants us, and you know, that's a daily thing, but it's also, I believe it's also a kind of a seasonal thing. Because every now and again, I think God takes us aside and he he, he just gives us a wee time when he said, now, I just want you to prepare yourself for the next season. That happened to me in the summer when I fell and broke this knee of mine. I really felt (coughs) God was saying, you know, this is the time to wash your nets. This is the time to get ready for the next season. And all of us have different seasons that we're in. And maybe you are in a season right now and maybe you're coming out of one season and coming into another. But God wants us to be aware of the fact that we can have this ongoing washing of nets. And this is a great, because you know what, the nets needed to be pliable. And you and I need to be constantly pliable in God's hands that he can use us. Clean and pliable. That's the two words. Keep that in your head, girls. That's the new motto for coming into the new year. Clean and pliable in God's hands. So let's read on. We saw the two boats were standing. Did you notice that Jesus got into one of the boats and that he asked uh, Simon to push out a little from the land? This kind of intrigues me because uh, I think it's, it's, it's interesting that God usually asks us to do the small things first. He usually asks us to push out a little in faith, to take small steps of faith before he asks us to take the big steps. And this is what seems to have been happening here. He's asking Simon Peter to push the boat out a little bit from the land. And it says that Jesus got into the boat and he began to speak to the multitudes and he taught the people from the boat. I think it's it's interesting that, that God wants to use you and me to take steps of faith, so that he can, he can actually speak through us to other people. It, it just fascinates me that God wants to use your life and mine as a platform to speak to other people. And you don't have to be on a platform. I'm on a platform today, but you don't have to be on a physical platform to do that. God wants your life to be a platform for him. He wants to use you because you know what, he's in your boat. The moment you asked him to be your Saviour and your Lord, he stepped in, the Holy Spirit came in, he is living in you. And he wants to speak through you and use your life as a platform to speak to many, many people. And I just look around here and I see so many faces. And I don't know what the plans that God has, but I know he has a plan, individual plan for every single one of you. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you to speak into the lives of others. And then after he had finished teaching, it says that he told Simon then to launch out into the deep and to let down his, his nets for a draft. A big catch of fish. Now it's interesting that Simon was willing enough to launch out but when it came to letting the nets down he, he had a bit of a question, a bit of a query and did you notice that we read, he said, that he says, Lord we've been out all night and he said we've caught nothing, let's just read it when, when he had stopped speaking he said to Simon, verse 4 launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a, for a catch but Simon answered and said to him Master we've toiled all night and we've caught nothing Nevertheless at your word I will let down the net. Let's just read on. And when they had done this they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Actually that's not the right translation. It's it, it was stretched to the point of breaking. It didn't actually break. Verse 7. So they signaled to their partners in the boat to come and help them and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch fish. Let's just leave it there for a moment. Do you notice that whenever Jesus asked him to launch out, he, he put the boat out. But he wasn't that he wasn't that willing to let the nets down in here. And you know, I believe as we as we trust God and as we step forward in our Christian walk, that there'll be seasons where he said, just launch, take we wee step, just lunch out a wee, but I want to speak to you to that person. But then there'll be other times where he says, Now I want you to take a big step of faith, I want you to step out here, and I want you to actually let your nets down. And you know what? The problem was that Simon Peter had been out all night. He'd been up the whole night, and he'd had the nets out all through the night, and he hadn't caught one fish. they would come home empty. The trouble was, he wasn't only tired, but he was disappointed. And the thing is, with you and me, that very often we we have done what we thought was right in the past. We've let the nets down, if you like. We've done what we felt was right, but we haven't had a catch. It hasn't worked. And the trouble is that very often, God will tell you to go and do something He prompt you. Have you ever felt that God's prompted you to go and speak to a person or go and do something? And, and you're sort of in yourself, you're thinking to yourself, well, I've done this before. Like, what's the point? See, Simon Peter had a what's the point attitude. It was like, sure, I'm, a, I'm the fisherman, Lord. He, he didn't say it, like, but I'm thinking he thought it. Like, I'm the professional fisherman, Lord. You're not a fisherman and I've been out all night and I've already done that and it didn't work. And you know, sometimes in our spirits, there's that attitude, isn't there? There's that attitude, well, I've done this, this hasn't worked for me before. Like I have prayed about that before and it didn't work. Do you know what? God is a time for everything. Because you prayed about it before doesn't mean it's not gonna work. God wants us to continue just as he drip feeds us. He wants us to keep speaking to him. Coming, keep on asking, keep on praying. God wants us to keep bringing our, our, our stuff to him. And you see, the trouble was that Simon Peter was disappointed that he hadn't got a catch. And sometimes we can actually experience disappointment. And sometimes, listen to me ladies, sometimes it's disappointment with ourselves. And sometimes it's disappointment with God. Sometimes we feel we've done that before, it didn't work. But you know what, if God's prompting you, God's word is true. God's word is sure. And he wants you to obey him. Because I'll tell you something. It's important to obey him because that's where the blessing is. Blessing is in obedience. Isaiah 119 says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. The message puts it this way. If you willingly obey, you'll feast like kings and queens as well. And so God wants us to obey him. And and I love the fact that Peter sort of, he had this what's the point attitude. But did you notice that he said, well, nevertheless, okay, at the same time, okay, I'll do it anyway. And so he let down the nets. He he obeyed the Lord. And and I just think it's so important that we just obey those promptings. (laughs) What is God prompting you to do at the moment? What is he calling you into? What has the word of God been challenging you about over these past months from September? Now, you see, obedience always pays off. And of course, when he let down the fish, did you notice that the minute he, let, he, he obeyed Jesus and let the, the, the nets down, what happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened in my language. The fish, I can, I can nearly say fish. I've got to say that very carefully with my list The fish. <laughs> They started to leap, they started jumping into the net. Isn't that amazing? The fish were actually jumping into the net. And I was thinking to myself, wasn't it a good thing that washed the net. I'll tell you it's important that we keep ourselves washed, that we keep coming and confessing our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that we walk in the light, that we bring things into the light. And that we allow his blood to keep cleansing us and keep ready for those moments where he can say, right, I want to use you here. Are you clean? Then he can use you. It's so important that we walk in the light and we keep clean. And so the cats did you notice that the catch of fish was so great that actually uh, they had to shout to their partners to come and help them. Do you know what, ladies? I think God's plan for all of us is that the fruitfulness in our lives would be so great would be calling over to each other to come and help us. They would be saying, I can't do this job on my own. Oh, come on, give us a bit of help. God wants us to be fruitful women. He wants us to have much fruit in our lives. And and actually it, it it seems that the other boat had to come and help them because both boats were full. Listen, there's enough blessing to go around. We don't have to be spiritual orphans that think, Oh, do you know what? then maybe, maybe it's not enough for me, it's more important that I get blessed and that, that, that I get doing that. And God doesn't want us to be spirited orphans. There's enough blessings to go round. Both boats were full. And, and they were so full that they were actually starting to sink. Now I tell you this, that's not a bad complaint, is it? For your boat to be sinking with blessing. What about, what about so much blessing in our lives that we feel ourselves sinking down in our knees? And we start to worship and thank god for what he's doing in our lives he wants to pour the blessing out and you know i'm just reminded about malachi and how god speaks there about you know how important it is that we we give our all we're talking about tithing but it's about giving our all tithing is giving a tenth of all that we have that's 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 really the beginning and that's not just finances that's our energy and our time and everything and really the new testament is not just a tenth it's everything and, and we're told in Malachi, when we give everything to God, when we give even the 10th, he says, will you prove me in this? You give to me first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto me. What does Malachi say? I, you prove me, if this is not true. And he says, I'm going to open the windows of heaven, and you prove me, says, I'm going to pour out so much blessing, you won't even be able to contain it. You know what? It's so it's so good and so necessary that we put God first. It's so important. And you see, these two boats were sinking with blessings. And God is not stingy about his blessing. He wants to pour them out. He's a liberal God. He's a God, a generous God. And so, did you notice that after this great miracle, when Peter realised how powerful God was. He actually fell to his knees and he says, depart from me, I'm a sinful God, I'm a sinful man God. You know, when we see God at work and we see his greatness and we see the manifestation of his power, I'll tell you, we want to hit the deck. And that's a good place to be. The fear of the Lord is the is beginning of wisdom. We need to realise how great he is and have reverence for him and fall at his feet and just, just worship him. And, and, and peter just was beside himself he realized this really was god in flesh and he realized he was a mere mortal i'll tell you whenever we get our eyes off our own resources and get our eyes onto god's resources we will we'll not have any more fear we will have a godly fear the right kind of fear we'll be thinking to ourselves oh the only fear i have is i just need to give you everything because you're the king of kings Lord of lords you can do whatever you want to do with my life and so at that point that's where Jesus calls him and says do not be afraid from now on you will catch men it's interesting in 1 Corinthians 15 it talks about the natural comes first and then the spiritual as it is in the natural so it is in the spiritual and you see he had been a fisher of fish but now God said I'm going to make you a fisher of men you're going to catch men for the kingdom and that of course is what God wants to do And so they're now starting a whole new way of life. That's what I believe God wants to call us into the new. God has something new for each of us. He's calling us up, ladies. He's calling us to step up into new ways of thinking listen our old ways of doing things just isn't good enough he wants us to think the way the holy spirit thinks he wants us to be spirit-filled women he wants us to think like heaven he wants us to step up and he wants he's calling us i believe into a whole new way of going and i'm going to go bump 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 through the rest of this chapter and we're going to see just the different things that he came across very very quickly and we're going to look and see how they're almost a little picture of what god wants to do in your life as well so i haven't time to read it all but uh, let's just quickly look at luke chapter five let's look down to verse 12 it happened when he was in a certain city that behold a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored him saying Lord if you're willing you can make me clean and Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying I am willing be cleansed and immediately the leprosy left him he saw this man with leprosy you know in the Bible leprosy is often a picture of sin I looked up on Google to see what it said about what leprosy was, and it just said, start with muscle weakness and then becomes numb. And that's what happens in the body with physical leprosy. And it's not the leprosy that, you know, you see these people with arms off and fingers off and toes off. It's not it's not that the leprosy gets rid of the toes. It's because they're numb, that they keep banging against things. And they're they, because they're so numb, they don't feel it and they damage their their extremities and bits and pieces of their body starts falling off. It's not a very vivid picture of sin because once we turn away from God and we're doing things our own way and not doing it God's way, we begin to get weak because we're trying to do it in our own flesh. And then we begin to get numb spiritually. We're, we're we not even aware that we are offending God. We, we, we accept sins that maybe a year ago, We would have been sensitive to and we wouldn't have have even thought of doing something or or going a certain place and all of a sudden it's become spiritually numb and it's like that's okay and and if you look at the world that's what's happened people have become spiritually desensitised and sin is no longer called sin and everything's okay and you do what you want there's no harm in that and you know we deserve it just do whatever you want if it feels good do it and that's a picture of sin. And what happens is that you get so spiritually numb that you don't even realise that you're bits and pieces of you're falling off and you're not being the person that God created you to be at all. And you're actually spiritually looking. Some of these most beautiful and glamorous people that you see living in the high life and living a life that's not for God, they might look beautiful on the outside, but inside they're spiritual lepers. There's bits they are ugly because there's bits all falling off them because they're spiritually numb. Do you know what? This man who was a leper, he had been awakened to the fact that he needed to be cleansed and he needed to be healed. And you know, that's what we need to do. We need to realise, you know what? Spiritually speaking, we just need that. Only Jesus can heal us. Only Jesus can just make us beautiful. The way he wants to make us beautiful. And so this leper, he's just a picture of what God wants to do in our lives. And it's interesting that after he had done this miracle, it says in, um, at the end of it all, down in verse 16, after healing this man, so Jesus himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Remember we looked at that last week, how every so often he just withdrew and went and spent some time in prayer. And I just think that is so important. And I just felt I had to read this verse out to you. It's in the message. It's Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus said. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. (coughs) Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the the, uh, the unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus said, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You see, we need to have those times aside, that constant coming to just be refreshed with Jesus, time aside, learning to live with him, learning to live freely and lightly. So the first thing that they saw was this this man who was a leper, and then if we just skim on quickly down Luke 5 verse 17, it then says, at the start this story, we haven't time to read it all. It happened on a certain day as he was teaching that the power of the Lord was present, uh, end of verse 17. Then verse 18, then behold, men brought on a man, on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. When they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up onto the housetop and let him down with with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who's this that speaks blasphemies who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your heart? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and walk, but that you might know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. I'm saying out to the man, rise up, take up your bed and go to your house. And that's exactly what he did. I love that story. I love the story for a whole lot of different reasons. I love the story because first of all, this man, he, he wasn't, he was paralyzed. He wasn't able to walk. And again, it's a picture of how, spiritually speaking, if we don't have Jesus, if we have never had our sins forgiven, if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we cannot walk spiritually. We don't know how to live a spiritual life. We are still living in our own nature, our own fleshly nature. But I love the fact that although this man couldn't walk, I love the fact that he had four friends. I'll tell you, it's a good thing to have four friends, isn't it? And four friends, I think, enough of you actually carry it. Dear knows how long they had to carry that man. But they carried him the whole way to Jesus. And it says when they couldn't get in because of the crowds, they actually carried him up on top of the roof. Now it's interesting that Josephus, who is a Jewish historian, that he actually refers to how in some cases in biblical times, they actually broke up the roof to let coffins, take coffins out. So the idea of breaking up the roof is not something that, you know, is foolish, it's something that would have happened because the roof would have been made not like our rooms it would have been a very makeshift thing and so they thought enough of this friend to carry him the whole way there and then haul him up up whatever apparently in those days this, um, even yet you can see it in biblical places where you walk up the side of the house there are steps and then you get up on the roof where you could have in the, chill, in the cool of the evening could get on top of the roof and so they can you imagine him i mean it's no no easy job carrying a man four of you carrying a man up a roof. Can you imagine the tip, the way he was tipped up? You know, and him hanging on, maybe. I don't know, but they got him up there. They were desperate enough to get to get this man up and then lower him down. Can you imagine Jesus teaching in this house? And the power of God is there, and then all of a sudden they hear a bit of a noise and they're kind of going, what's that? And, and suddenly they realise it's coming from up there. The next thing, I see a man being lowered down. I mean, get the picture. This man is being lowered down before Jesus. You know, I would love that we would be so passionate about our friends, that we would go to any length to get them, that we would carry them if necessary. Wouldn't that be amazing that we could just actually even in teamwork, a few of us get together, start to pray for our friends and begin to lower them down the feet of Jesus. And what happens? Jesus knows immediately the root of the problem. The root of the problem wasn't his sickness, it wasn't his paralysis. The root of the problem was his sin. And you see, the root of all our problem is sin. The Bible says that. The reason sickness is in the world is because of sin, because of original sin, because man turned away from God and chose to listen to the enemy. And so God wants you and he wants me to get rid of the root. And the root is always sin. And you know, I'm not saying that all disease comes from sin, but Jesus said that's not the case. He taught in other places where people were sick and they were saying, remember in one case when some, the one of his disciples said, who's this, sinned, this man or his, and the Lord said neither of them. It's not always directly because sickness, but I'll tell you what, in this case Jesus knew what the root was. Before he was going to heal him, he was going to see that he was forgiven. I read somewhere recently that apparently as far as the Jewish historians go, the Jewish teaching, they would, uh, they would think that in this particular case that, uh, that this man may have had a sexually transmitted disease. So it would have been a lot of shame around him as well. You see, the Lord knows what, what shame we're carrying. The Lord knows everything about it. He doesn't want us to be full of shame. He wants He wants to remove shame. Adam and Eve, that's one of the first characteristics in the garden when they sinned, was that they felt shame, they felt dirty, they felt God wants to wash us, cleanse us, take shame off us. And so this man, this was a this was an amazing healing. I tell you what, can you imagine these men that have just pushed the boat out and let the nets down, seen the miracles? And then when, when the Lord said, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers with men, this is, their first, this is their first experience of what it means to follow Jesus. I'll tell you, if this was the first day, what a day it was. I'll tell you, if we could get awakened up and alerted to the fact that following Jesus is never boring, that God wants to use our lives, he wants to work through us, he wants to use us as platforms to reach others, he wants us to pray for our friends, he wants us to see miracles. As we pray for others and see things happening that we could never imagine would, would happen. And then we looked a little bit further down. Oh, our time's okay. Look a little bit further down to Luke 5, verse 27, where um, it says, After these things that... Oh, by the way, that, that incident happened in Capernaum, that last one. And you can read about it as well in Mark chapter 2. We were in Capernaum over this past few years. We always go to Capernaum. That's where Jesus lived after he left Nazareth. And it's right by the sea. And so after he left Capernaum then, it says, After these things he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. So Levi left all, rose up, and followed him. Isn't that amazing? Do you you realize the enormity of this? Levi was a tax collector. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that it's a reputable thing that you know people that collect taxes is quite reputable. We mightn't be too fond of the tax man. But at the same time, it's a rep- reputable enough uh, <laughs> job. But in those days, Jews who agreed to work for the Romans to gather the taxes, they were notorious because it was kind of... Uh, Think of a figure in their head and ask the Jewish people for it, and then stuff a bit of it into their back pocket and give the rest to the Romans. They were they were cheats. They were people who who weren't honourable. They were people who were using the system. We would say, and uh, and so this is a, a man called Levi. But you see, the thing is that we would look at we would if we had been there we would have looked at Levi and we would have thought, that's one of them, dirty, rotten cheats. That's one of them, I wouldn't have room for him. He's sitting there and he looks as, as if butter wouldn't melt in his mouth and he's cleaning us and he's a cheat. And we would have been ripping, wouldn't we? But you see, Jesus could see into Levi's mind. Jesus could see what Levi was thinking when he went to bed at night. Jesus could see what was going on in Levi's heart. And Jesus could see that there was a man who was ready to follow him. Listen, ladies, we need to be looking at people not with our natural eyes but spiritually. We need to ask the Holy Spirit, how do I speak to that person? Am I going to go purely on what I see with my eyes? Looks very self-assured, looks as if everything's going for them, looks as if they're but you know highfalutin. Or are we gonna ask the Holy Spirit, how do I approach that person? What's really going on in that heart? Do you know that God can give you a word of knowledge? God can show you things, give you a prophetic word. God, listen, God sees what's going on and he knows what's going on in the heart of every human being on this planet. And he knew, Jesus knew what Levi was thinking and what he was needing. And do you know what? The minute that Jesus called him, what did he do? It says that he rose up. In fact, let me just read it exactly the way he preached it here. He left all. Did you hear that? He left all. That was his way of life his livelihood, everything. He rose up and he followed Jesus. And then Levi gave a great feast in his old house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his Jesus' disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Do you see that old mentality that we've all got? Oh, how come that you're eating partying with them? Isn't it amazing that Jesus was a a man, a real man. He was gone, but he was a real man. And he was very, very comfortable to party. Let that drop in. Let that drop into your spirit. He was was enjoying the feast. He was enjoying being with these, these sinners. But you know what? They weren't influencing him. He was influencing them. He was impacting them. And of course the Pharisees, the religious Pharisees who came with that pious attitude, who Jesus said they were, they were whited sepulchres. In other words, the outside was white, but a sepulchre inside is dead. And you can look nice and polished and religious religious on the outside like a whited sepulchre, but inside there can be dead bones. And that's what these Pharisees were. And they were, they were actually challenging Jesus about spending time with these sinners you know what Jesus said? And I love this. Here is what he said. Jesus answered, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so Jesus could see that these people were, were looking and searching for something and he was comfortable in being with them. And then it goes on to say that at the same time it seems that there was questions came up about John the Baptist and his disciples I read a commentary somewhere that it may well have been that as Jesus was speaking and, and, and having this party with Levi and <coughs> celebrating the fact that Levi was leaving everything and going to follow Jesus if Levi obviously felt joy immediately he obviously felt he wanted the party because something radical had happened in his life Levi had realised he was going to have a new life he was going to leave all He had already made the decision he was going to start walking with Jesus. And this joy was rising up and he wanted to have a celebration to to let everybody know. And he was actually witnessing to all his friends, all the other tax collectors. He was bringing them in to witness. No doubt he was telling them, look, I'm going to follow Jesus now. I'm starting a whole new life. And in the midst of it all, it's quite possible that some of the disciples of John the Baptist, some of the people who had been influenced by John the Baptist, they were watching on as well as the Pharisees, and they bring up this question, how come all of your stuff on your faces, and you're not fasting the way John the Baptist disciples fast? And Jesus, of course, gives this beautiful answer. He says, let's just read it. He says, um, verse 34, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. I love that. I love that. Do you know that Jesus is our bridegroom? That you are his bride. If you have trusted Jesus. If you have invited him to be your saviour. To forgive your sins. That he is your bridegroom. And you are his bride. And, and He's He's actually using words. See, these were John the Baptist's disciples who were saying, how come you're fasting? How come how come you're all eating and, and stuff on your faces and, and, and John the Baptist, they must be holier because they're fasting. And you see, Jesus actually asked them the question. He turned it around and he said, can you make friends? Can you make friends of the bridegroom fast when the bridegroom is with them? And then he says, what he's actually saying is using the very words of John the Baptist himself. I love the way Jesus does that. He often... <laughs> Answers a question by asking another question. And here is what John the Baptist had said in John chapter 3, verse 29. Here is what John himself had said He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. John realised he was the friend of the bridegroom, he was the forerunner. John was the friend but Jesus was the real thing. John was the friend of the bridegroom, Jesus was the bridegroom and he says John said he must increase and I must decrease. So John the Baptist friends busy saying well, are you know you're not listening to what John said and Jesus answers the question by actually quoting what John said and speaking the truth. I'll tell you God knows how to answer those who would question you or query you. Do you know what you've got to do? Just just obey. Trust and obey. Do things the way God calls you to do them. Just do it his way and don't worry what anybody says. Just put him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Don't worry about voices. Don't worry about people judging you. If people judge you, you know what? God will vindicate you. If people say this or that about you, don't you worry. Just you release that to God. Just trust him because you know what? God is the God who will vindicate you. He's a God who can speak for you. And then as we get ready for the last wee bit of this story, let's just look at it right now at the end. At the end of chapter 5, it says, verse 36, Then Jesus spoke a parable to them. And I believe this parable is important to us today because it actually encapsulates all of the teaching of today. And it just gets us ready to the point where I believe God wants us to be today. Let me just read it to you. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new new does not match the old and no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined but new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved and no one having drunk old wine immediately desires the new for he says the old is better I believe God wants to do a new thing among us. But you know what? When God does a new thing, he wants us to accept it completely. He doesn't want us to compromise by putting the new thing that he's teaching us and speaking to us into something that's old. And many times have you heard people saying, oh, I know I don't want any change. Oh, no, no, I just take things the way they were. Let's just do it the old way. I mean, how often have you heard that? You know, when Jesus said that people say, you know, prefer the old, that's the truth. For, for most of us, we prefer the way things were done before. But you see, God wants to do a new thing among you. God is always full of the new thing. And God, I believe, wants to speak to us today about the new thing. And we read this, we read it out in the prayer room, and I'm going to read it again now, because um, in in uh, Isaiah, to, uh, Isaiah 43 verse 18, it says, "Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing; now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert." I believe that God wants to do something new. Let me let me read it to you in the um, in the message. Forget what's happened. I believe this could be a word for somebody in particular here this morning. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out, don't you see it? There it is, I'm making a road through the desert. I believe God wants to take us through the difficult things in life, through situations that we think are too difficult for God. And let's face it, a lot of us carry that, we might even say it in the back of our mind, we're thinking, this is just too messy. God just can't actually take me through this into victory. You know what? God specialises in messes. That's what he specialises in. And he wants to take you through, and he wants to take you into the new thing. Now, you need to be like the nets. you need to be washed, but you also need to be stretched. And the new thing would probably require a bit of stretching. And again, I'm reminded in um, Isaiah 54, where it says, Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations, and make the desolate cities inhabit it. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. I believe that's a word for somebody today. I believe God is stretching us. I believe God said, This, where you are right now in your life, it's not wide enough. You're not, you're not, there's more for you. I believe God said, I want you to stretch out, stretch out there and let me do more. And I believe that God wants us to realize that there is so much more for us. Enlarge the place of your territory. But you know what? We don't like being stretched, if we're honest. Like, who likes being stretched? But you know what? We need to be willing to be stretched if we want to enjoy what God has for us. If we want to, if we want to enter into the new thing that he has, if we want to go through, we've got to be ready to take that step. I wonder this morning, what God has been saying to you over the past months. I wonder, is he challenging you to step into something that just at the moment you just feel like That would stress me a bit to do that. Maybe he's challenging you about the way you think. Maybe your pattern of thinking is so negative and so wrong. God said, I'm going to challenge you about really renewing your mind, getting your thinking into the proper way of thinking. Start to think my thoughts and begin to live a positive life and move on and enlarge your borders. Maybe that's what he's saying to his mind. I don't know what it is that he's saying, but I believe that God has told me to, I believe that the Lord has led me to put this title today, are you willing to push the boat out? Are you willing to say, I'm going to take that, I'm going to take that step, I'm going to take that risk, I'm going to do it. And you know, it does feel like it's risky. Just in finishing, I wanted to tell you a story, because many, many years ago, Jane and William and I decided uh, that we would go up to the Rook Bridge, just in case anybody's watching online and you don't know who William is, William is my son who has Down syndrome, who is at the back at the minute with the headphones on him, he's sitting at the back, uh, he's controlling everything in the back, <laughs> and William is uh, 29, has Down syndrome, a hearing loss, not much speech, uh, so we all went up, uh, Jane Brett, and I and William, we went to the Oak Bridge, and Jane was petrified because Jane hates heights, and the idea of going across the rope bridge was like something she'd never imagined she'd ever do. And we were saying, come on, you can do it. So we got to the rope bridge and Jane was like quite knuckles. That's the way, only way I could describe her. And she was holding on to the side of the rope bridge and she was, her, her knuckles were white. And it was like this wee step and that wee step. And she was really scared. I mean, she was petrified. So there was a huge crowd of people there that day. We had queued for ages. There was loads of Americans. It was, just, it was just packed. And we finally got to the place where Jane was down and she was making her way. And the next thing, William just, if I remember, he pushed past you, Jane, didn't he? And William just, he just ran. <laughs> he just went for it. And he literally ran right across the rope bridge, rope bridge. Got to the far side, turned round. Everybody was looking at him. And he just went, big bang. <laughs> He just gave this big bar, And all the Americans, they all start clapping. Everybody started clapping. And we were laughing, and G and she was still clinging on. And then when we got across, Jane says, well, how are we going to get back? Do you know what? If you're going to obey God, you can do it the white knuckle way. Or you can do it the William way. Why not just enjoy it? Why not just run into the arms of Jesus and say, here, I give me everything. I'm going to trust you because you're a trustworthy God. Lord, I just pray today that you would take your word, that you would implant it deeply. And God, I pray that fruit will come out of this word today. And that people will respond, Lord, to what you've been saying to them over the months. God, that they will that they will have a, a, an encounter with you where they will tell you and speak to you and Lord, where they will lay down their sorrows, lay down the past, let it go, and step into what you have for them, into the future that you want them to walk into, that they will cross over the rope bridge into the blessings and purposes of God. Lord, may it be so today. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done, We believe you have spoken today in hearts. And we believe, even, I have a sense, even today, there could be salvation in this house today. That someone might actually pass from death (laughs) unto life. That someone might say, Jesus, I want you to be mine. I want you to come in and wash me clean. I want your Holy Spirit to live in me. I want a life of faith. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to ask you and invite you to come in today. Oh, that it would be so. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand together again and we're going to sing King of Kings, Lord of Lords. is living in us. Those of us who have invited him to come in, he is in us, his spirit is in us. What a wonder. Isn't it amazing that we are dressed in robes of royalty, of righteousness, that everywhere we go we are dressed for the king. And as we go out of here today, just remind yourself who you belong to, the love that he has for you, and the call that he has in your life. And just ask yourself, are you actually responding to his call? Are you willing to step out whatever God's saying to you? And let's next week celebrate the fact that we have the Holy Spirit with us. And may there be people come forward next week to share and give testimony to things that God has done over this past season. Because I believe he has done deep things in our hearts over this past season. Go in peace. Come up if you want a bit of prayer. We're here and bless you.